The S&P 500 is up over 10% in the month of November. But if you were one of the sad sacks that stayed on the sidelines, well, hopefully we have some solutions for you to get you back into the market and help you prepare for 2024. Welcome everyone to Buy, Hold, Sell. I am your trader, Todd Schoenberger, and I am joined by my friend and co-host, Tobin Smith, out in sunny and warm Scottsdale, Arizona. It's like below 80, so I'm wearing a vest. (laughs) Very good, and we have a very special guest with us today. Tim Urbanowitz. He is the head of research and strategy at Innovator ETFs, and he's coming to us out of Wheaton, Illinois. Welcome to the program, Tim. Thanks for having me, Todd. Great to be with you. Absolutely. Well, I got to talk to you about this market because, I mean, what a roaring market in November. I'm sure you probably have seen a big, big, uh, big amount of inflows, I would imagine, into your ETFs this month. But going forward, what do you think for the rest of the year as well as going into 2024? Yeah, well, I, I think you hit it on the head, Todd, at the beginning here. A lot of people sitting on the sidelines, a lot of people in cash. We have been hammering the, 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 the tape saying, hey, you got to be in the equity market right now. And I think that remains the case for the rest of the year. I think if you take a step back and just really evaluate where we are at in this cycle, we are at a point now where we believe you've seen the last hike. I think that is the consensus that is that the market is coming around to, that that hike cycle is over. And if that continues to be the case, like we think it is, that's a very good time to be in equities. If you look at the last eight hike cycles, right? The, at, at the point where we see that final hike, equities have done very well consistently. Average return in the 12 months following the final hike, about 17%. And only one instance, Todd, have we seen the returns on the S&P be negative. That is significant. That is not something you want to be on the sidelines for. I understand the arguments. Yes, there's a lot of headwinds. Yes, you have the recession risk. But it's a good time to be in equities. It has been historically. And might I tell you, even when we see those recession risks materialize. Yeah, I, tell, I, I can tell you that the people who've been dead wrong, of course, have never changed their tune. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking about neural rubini, okay, that the world's coming to that. But, you know, the, 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 the talking heads that we all know and love have been wrong. It, it, I want them to stay that way. One of the things, uh, you know, I, I'm a little skeptical on historical connections these days, simply because the history we're in right now is so different than any other history that we've had. Uh, you know, I was there when the first rate hikes went with Paul Volcker. So, you know, I, I've been there, done that. No, I know what happens. I tell Todd all the time. I go back and I save those, um, you know, the the, the, the the daily highs versus lows. And when we had six new highs on October 23rd, I think it was, and 655 new lows, yeah, that pretty much told me that everyone who had to sell would sell, was scared to sell, was shit in the bed, blah, 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 had already happened. And and sure enough, you know, that, that made a lot of sense. But my question is, we're going to talk about your types of ETFs, but I, I've been using this word. I, I called it, you know, what's new this time is sort of the the pre-recession idea that that companies, you know, that people were so wrong forecasting the recession for so long. It was like waiting for a good dough, right? And uh, who never shows up. You know, in case you didn't read that book, although you know, I can tell you're an athlete, so it's a book that athletes would would read. The whole idea. Uh, of, of this pre-recession sort of concept was there was no other recession where we had like a 24-month window saying we're going to have a recession. So businesses could buffer, they could build cash, they could they could lock in yields, they could get uh, you know hedges against their yields, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So as things are slowing down, it is a surprise to no one. And then on the other hand, 
the people just completely uh, missed the whole idea of why the American uh, economy is so strong at the consumer level. Um, a, a new number I got out yesterday, Todd, was 42% of single-family homes in the United States are owned for cash. Right. And I've used that number before because, you know, if you live in California, Arizona, New York, uh, you know, Connecticut, that doesn't seem real. But for the most part, the 63 counties that, that do 75% of the GDP, the home ownership in those counties is even higher. A free and clear. So the, the mortgage issue doesn't hit them. They're, you know, upper upper fifty percent. So the credit issue doesn't hurt them. And then I love the fact that a firm came out yesterday and said, "Hey, guess what? People are using our buy now, pay later because it, it's a much better way for them to to budget themselves." Uh, and, and so even the you know people in the bottom quintiles are, are are buying. So people are still shaking their head why this economy is so resilient in the United States, and it's because they don't freaking understand our economy in the United States. Um, you know, you look at Germany now, they're, they're going to be in a recession because guess what? Their manufacturing is down 17% and it's the manufacturing yeah. 65%, right? That's not us. So, right. so I'm with you. I'm with you. You look out there over the last year, everybody's clearly underestimated the effects of the pandemic. They've clearly underestimated yes. the strength of the labor market. You know, I think you have, you still have a lot of these effects where companies are really you know, reluctant to lay off workers just because they worked so hard to get those people to back to work, you know, a couple of years ago. They don't want to go through that pain again. And you look at the numbers from Black Friday. I mean, if that, if that doesn't tell you that consumers are still strong and yeah. still have some gas left in the tank, I don't know what else will, will tell you that that's, that's the case. And yes, you're seeing signs of, of uh, you know, them weakening. You don't have the same savings built up that we had a, a year or two ago. You have more, you know, non-housing debt that that's built up, and that may slow them down a little bit. But for us to look out there and say, "Hey, we're going to have a recession in 2024," I just don't see how that happens, given the starting point of of where we're at right now. There's still a lot of slack that needs to come out. You know, though we still have more job openings than we do yeah. workers in this country. That do I think that's going to come out? Yes, but it's going to take time. So it, it's going to take a lot longer. If that is the end result, it's going to take a lot longer than I think a lot of people think. Well, yeah, again, I just go through people who've been dead wrong, who every time we have them on our show, I go through the reasons why they've been dead wrong. And then when they come back on our show, they say the exact same thing. So they're, they're just, you know, died in the wool, head in the sanders. Um, and God bless them because, you know, they've scared the hell of a lot of people out of, out of games. They're sitting on a lot of cash. And then finally, the FOMO, at some point comes in um, and maybe they'll go into some of your funds, which we'll talk about because I'm looking at the name, the Buff Laddered Allocation Power Buffer ETF. You got to work <laughs> on that name, son. Um, the, Put down the hashtag. <laughs> yeah. The Power Buffer Step-Up Strategy. Yes. How, about, how about Defined Outcome? I like that better. I, I, I like, I like, I know you have Defined Outcome better. So We'll talk about your your, your uh, stuff, but your forecast for next year for the market. Yeah, so I think it's 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 really we're, we're anticipating that you're going to see lower total returns overall, but positive. And really, I think it's based on a couple things: just the outlook for both valuations and, and earnings. So when we look at valuations to start, you know, our anticipation that you're going to continue to see rates higher for longer. We say higher for longer, we mean you see in a ten year in the four to four seven five range, continuing to fluctuate back and forth there. Right now, you see the market that's pricing about four hikes starting early next year. No. I'm sorry, four cuts, cuts. cuts <laughs> early next year. We don't see that happening. You know, we're in the, 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 the cost to cutting rates too early is far too great. The Fed made that mistake in 66. They made it yeah. in 80. They're not going to want to make it again next year. 
So the transition to get there is going to take a little bit longer. And I think valuations are going to need to adjust to, to reflect that. So we do see valuations coming down slightly from where they're at now. That said, we do still think earnings can grow in the environment. Uh, and again, it's going to be an environment of slow growth, but not negative growth, like so many anticipate. And, and when you say coming down, are you talking about that the PE ratios will be coming down? PE ratios, that's exactly okay. right. And, and coming off slight, right? Yeah. Uh, very, very slightly. So a little bit of a detractor from returns, but then earnings really providing the boost to get us in that 4 to 6% range for next year. But but your forecast for the end of the year is uh, quite bullish. I mean, you're looking at 200 points added to current uh, S&P levels. I mean, we're one month away. That's pretty, pretty that's remarkable. For, that's for year end 2024. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. I misunderstood. Tim, I was going to correct him, but it's just more fun to to watch him just, you know, (laughs) step on himself. And so I'm sorry. Here's a a question, though. Do you anticipate a recession next year? No, we we don't. Uh, Again, it is a a possibility, but given everything we talked about at the beginning, we think that conversation gets kicked down another year. A lot of slack that needs to come out in the labor market. Consumers are still strong. So the hikes are working, but they're going to take more time to get to that point, which is why we say low growth, but not necessarily negative growth. But there is, I do think there's a lot of implications that we need to be paying attention to. I look out there, you you see the consensus bottom up saying, you know, 10 to 12 percent earnings growth next year. We don't see that as necessarily realistic for the, the environment that we're in. You have to look at this from a couple of reasons. You look at margins, right? Margins have exploded with inflation. They've come down a little bit, but they're still pretty elevated. Um, yeah, I do think consumers are still strong, but can companies continue to just pass along these higher prices time and time again? There, there's going to come a point where they're not going to be able to, right? So I, I don't think you can just count on the robust margin growth that we've seen here in recent years to continue. So well, Todd- margins that hold, hold steady. Yeah, Tom, this is where I, this is where I step in and say, well, Tim, do you realize that that the top twenty five percent of households are responsible for seventy eight percent of discretionary spending? So, I do, and there's 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 certainly a gap. Um, but no, but I mean that's the buffer. If you were, like, I'm just using your word buffer here. It's a free <laughs> free advertising. The buffer for the economy is the top twenty five percent already has mortgages or doesn't have a mortgage. Already has two hundred thousand plus in household income. Plus has a million bucks in a four hundred one k and a, a you know a, a other things. Their spending's not going away. And at the margin, if you remember back to your master's degree in finance, it's the marginal buyer that sets the the price. And right now, the marginal buyer in the consumer economy, seventy six percent of our GDP, is doing great. So what that means when Todd always shakes his head when I say this. That from a pure mathematical standpoint, it doesn't matter that the bottom 50%, you know, are using buy now, pay later, or, you know, their savings have gone down. Because on a mathematical basis, their spending could go down 10%, but it wouldn't make a difference, much of a difference in all the GDP. That's not my point. It's an interesting point. And, you know, Tobin, I think if, 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 if that assumption is correct... I think we need to very much worry about more hikes and inflation continuing to tick higher. Because until you see that come down, I, I don't see a situation where you, you don't see a second wave of inflation. So I, I agree. I mean, I've been saying that the greatest risk uh, is that the top 25%, uh, which I'm grateful to have been in for most of my life, uh, never never stops spending. I mean, when, when there's five or six figures in your checking account, uh, Domino's Pizza, yes or no, is not a question. Um, and uh, 
And, you know, if every ACH payment from your whatever comes in and it's, you know, 15 grand, 25 grand, 30 grand, it doesn't change your spending. Now, if you've got three wives, that's a whole nother story, ex-wives, but, but, and I certainly have friends in that, in that camp. And then you take the 30 grand, you divide it by, by three. So that's a different story, but thankfully that's not the dominant part of that, of that world. I will say this though, in Silicon Valley, Todd, I heard somebody say Silicon Valley yesterday on CNBC. Yes. I wanted, I wanted to strangle. In, in the greater Silicon Valley, one of the reasons why, for instance, one of our favorite stocks, Meta, is up like 125% is because it got rid of 70,000 people they didn't need. I mean, the average salary is $268,000 that they cut. Now, I may not be a smart man, but if you multiply that by 70, their EPS jumped 400% simply by lowering their overhead, and everybody else has followed that. The highest unemployment rates in the United States right now are Palo Alto, Fremont, et cetera, because everybody lives there. Everybody owns their house. You know, they're not going anywhere. Maybe they're working from home, but but that economy is never, never going down. Even after the, you know, 2001, right. 2002, yeah, it got shook out a lot, but it bounced right back and we're not anywhere near that situation. So, okay, uh, yeah, I'm with you there. Okay. Well, let's leave it there on this block, guys, because coming up after the break, we're going to ask Tim his thoughts on small caps. I think you'll be shocked to hear his uh his take well Todd, that may be interesting to you but i'm going to ask him about buff laddered allocation power and, buff etfs and, and we define will, outcome etfs if you don't mind yes toby we will be speaking about etfs <laughs> we're also going to talk about the breaking news ETFs. i don't care about anybody else's i got it i got it yes we we hear you all right and we'll also talk about the breaking news out of omaha today with the passing of charlie munger we'll have a look into that so with us today we have tim urbanowitz he is the head of research and strategy over at innovator etfs and he will be right with us right after the break please stay with us buy hold sell brought to you by crosscheck management On any given day in Washington, policy proposals are created, debated, and decimated by tens of thousands of people and organizations working behind the scenes. On 80 Proof Politics, a guest and I will visit a D.C. watering hole and distill the art of advocacy by pulling back the curtain a bit and taking a look at how they play their part in the sausage factory we call our federal government. So if you're at all interested in how the sausage is made, pull up a chair, grab a drink, and join us. After all, what goes better with sausage than a tall, cold one? Hey there, this is Samantha LaDuke, founder of LaDukeTrading.com, and you are listening to Toby and Todd of Buy, Hold, Sell. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Markets have been on a tear this entire month of November, and we still have a few days left 
So what should we expect? Well, it looks like all systems go as the markets continue to roar higher. But with us today, we have Tim Urbanowitz. Tim, I got to go to you because uh, on this one, because what you gave in your notion, which really kind of surprised me, was your optimistic view of the small cap sector. And you're really trying to tell investors to start increasing that position for small caps. What's your take on it? Yeah, I, I, I think, Ty, what it really comes down to is the risks that are and are not being priced into the market right now. And I think when you look at small caps, no doubt they face headwinds. Arguably, they, they face the biggest headwind from higher interest rates. If you look at the amount of floating rate debt they have exposure to, about yeah. 40% of the, the, the index has exposure to floating rate debt, which is about 4x what we see coming from, from large caps. So that's a risk. Obviously, the recession risks are present, but a lot of those risks are really priced in right now. Yeah. And if you look specifically where we see uh, small caps trading relative to their large cap counterparts, we're trading at about a one and a half to two standard deviation difference from where you typically see small caps trade. So Can you tell the audience value. what a standard deviation is? Because this is not, you know, master's in finance school. So. It's just the, 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 the deviation around the mean. What's usual, it's 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 a little bit above that. So you're, you're seeing these stocks trade cheaper relative to where they typically trade to, to large caps. So there's a lot of value that we see baked in. A lot of those risks are already priced in. So to be able to go out there and cautiously increase exposure to small caps, uh, and you know we're recommending our outlook doing it via um, you know small cap buffered ETFs to have that protection in uh, in place in case the recession does play out. We think is prudent right now. Uh, you, they haven't participated in the rally and they've gotten beat up. Um, so it's it's important to have that exposure. A lot of investors, quite frankly, have given up on them. They're all in on the bank. Max seven and out on everything else. That's not trade's not going to run forever. Um, so really, starting to establish or even add to that position in small caps, we think is really important. Just given where valuations are, and and you know you want to start establishing the position you want to hold throughout the next bull market. Well, uh, I'm here first. I'm I'm a growth investor. I frankly almost despise value investing simply because the value people other than uh, the late great Charlie Munger and, and Mr. Buffett are well, some of the only people who've ever made it work. I love watching on other business shows, the value guy come out and saying, Bob, is it, is it you're there? Is it is this going to be the year? Because you underperformed, underperformed the market for 12 years in a row with your small <laughs> cap and your mid cap value. And then I always ask them, what is the catalyst uh, that would make someone want to pay a higher value or a higher uh, price earnings ratio? And the, finally, they have the answer. Yeah, well, if it's rates come down and, and the Fed starts cutting, then those the present value of those future earnings is, is going to be worth more. And they do grow faster in theory than the S&P. But don't you have to say that the interest rates going to be cut before you're going to get a catalyst to get those small caps up in value? Well, I think that the, the thought process here is you may not have time to do that once that's the case. So that's why you want to start nibbling on those names now. Again, our, one of our top ideas that we put in our outlook is, is ticker KJAN, the, the small cap 15 buffer ETF. So in the event that you see rates continue to stay high, in the event that you see those recession risks play out, you have that buffer against any losses that play out. You have a 15% protection against losses. So well, explain that because that, I found that intriguing. Yeah. Without getting all the index futures and everything else you do to create that. I give you $100. What you're saying is, is that I'm protected on the first 15% downdraft of that 100 bucks, correct? That's exactly right. So yeah, so IWM, which is what we, what we buy options on, so the small cap... ETF. Right. That ETF, January to January, goes down zero to 15%. You're fully protected from those losses. 
Now, that is the greatest concept I have ever heard. Can you imagine, Todd, if you were a retail rep going to someone and saying, listen, you know, just because of the valuations, um, this is stupid and ridiculous not to be in. But I have to warn you that because they're small caps, if, if the Fed doesn't cut these rates, there's a lot of risk. So what if I could put you in the small caps for a year? And even if they went down 15%, you'd still be at zero. And I would then ask the person, are you doing something illegal? No. So how do you do that, it, Mr. Patrick? It, 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 it's, it's a great question. And it's, it's something that, quite frankly, has not only kept people out of small caps, but it's also kept them out of the market this yeah. last year. And, and they've right. missed out on a 19% gain. So... So to be in this strategy, again, the, the KJAN, 15% buffer, you've got a cap of, you know, 21 and a half percent. So wh- where's the free lunch coming in? It's if the market, if IWM runs up above that, you're not participating in those games. Oh, but, oh I missed out on 1%. I'm up 21%, but damn it. Yeah, I- I- exactly. But, you know, so to answer your question, it yeah. sounds complex, but it's actually a pretty simple options okay. the hood. So you, you think about what we're delivering. You get the upside of the index. So we're, we're buying a deep in the money call, which okay. means that that call is making money if the market goes up right away, right? Uh, so that gives us the one-to-one exposure on the upside. Then what we have to do is we have to get that 15% protection in place. So what we do, we buy an at-the-money put, which gives us that protection right away. We sell a 15% out of the money put. So that's where the protection starts. That's where it, where it stops. And then every layer that we've bought so far has a cost to it. So in order to finance everything we've just paid for, what we simply do is we go out and we trade away our upside. So yeah. then we go sell a call. Option. Call, yeah, option. call option. At the exact level necessary to offset the cost of the options package that we just purchased on the downside. And there's some genius behind the wall there that's doing all this, or is it these are computer programs you've already put together? It is, but we, you know, we we know. I mean, we've had you know hundreds and hundreds of outcome periods completed since 2018. Every single one of them has delivered what, what we've said because we know that exactly what the payoffs are going to be in each of those layers yeah. of the trade that we have. So we just have to build that package day one and set it. And we know that, you know, zero to 15%, we're going to be protected. We're, we know where the cap is. Um, so it's actually, I know it sounds complex, but it's actually pretty simple yeah. construction. underneath. And the- after this interview and a hundred million dollars comes in, how long does it take you to cover that hundred million dollars? Well, I thought sure. you were going to put 150 in a- after this one. So <laughs> I, 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 I got an ex-wife. Okay. So <laughs> Or uh, we put it to work right away. I mean, so we, uh, you know, money money comes in, uh, we go out and we we continue to add that money to the options package that we've we've already purchased. We're buying those same exact. Oh, okay. You're buying the same because it's it's time certain. So even if those had gone up in value or down in value, you're still buying them? Exactly. And it doesn't change the outcome for the investor who bought. Right. Um, What does change is the investor who buys right now. And what's cool about these strategies is that no matter if you buy day one or day 300, you can always go in with a specific known outcome. So you don't have to guess. You can know. Yeah, it might not be day one parameters, but you can know. We have a tool on our website that'll show you. Okay, if you buy today, you know exactly what upside you have left. You know exactly what buffer you have left. So the the upside, you know, every trading day goes down a little bit because you're you fixed for the calendar year of 2024. Right. And then also though, does the 15% protection is all the way through the year, correct? It, it is. Yep. So you'll know, and it depends on what the market does, right? So if the market goes up 
you know, 10% in the first couple of months, you're going to participate slowly up to that point. Sure. Um, but again, you can always go into it and know, okay, this is, if the market does this, this will exactly be what, what happens. That's my experience. And, I, and one other question, is anybody making options on your uh, ETFs so that if I wanted to, I could... Um, you know, use call options and put options, et cetera. We don't have a, a a really big market for that right now. There hasn't been a lot of demand for it. Not to say okay. it could happen in the future. I mean, there's a lot of ETFs, especially you look at the big boys like Q, SPY. I mean, there's robust options markets. There's not on these strategies right now, but if there's demand, and not to say it couldn't develop. Well, I'm, I'm moving my newsletters to a much bigger publisher. And I'll have about 20,000 people that are going to learn about your because what I love about yes. it is, is I can build a core for someone and set it and forget. Then because you're confident on that. So it's, you know, the old core and explorer, yeah. then, then we can take different risks. You know, we happen to be big in LPG tankers. Thank God. And, you know, some of them have come up to three X in the last year. So we're taking profits in those. Well, yeah. they were, they were explore when they were $5. They're now they're like 25% of the entire portfolio. So I can take that up. But they know that their core part is done. I I, I love that. I, and I'm not a paid spokesman. No, that's, yeah, that, yeah. That, that's exactly right. And I think if you look at like where we've seen a lot of the flows come, one that we have seen huge, huge interest in from advisors is the TJUL. This is the 100% downside buffer. So right. literally 100% downside protection over a two-year outcome period with upside to a cap on the S&P of 16.6%. This is one that, you know, we have people calling us saying, hey, you know, this, this is the only strategy that our clients would use and not go sell out the cash. And they're so right. that they bought it because the market is, has run right, up. Right, right. That's the biggest issue, I think, you know, that, that, that people are dealing with right now. It's like, okay, yeah, the market's up 19%. You know, how do I, do I get out and sell the cash? And the reality of it is to have to make that call at the right time is nearly impossible. Because sure. not only do you have to know when to get out, even if you nail that call, you also have to figure out when do I get back when in. back in. Yeah. Okay. And trying to put those together is impossible. So tell us, Tim, about some of the uh, maybe some new filings that, that you guys have, have submitted for uh, new products coming out, because it sounds like they're quite innovative, uh, to use that word. So uh, <laughs> do you have anything that's spectacular and exciting that investors should keep an eye out for next year? Yeah, a couple, couple good ones. Uh, so in the, the realm of the 100% downside buffer, we have another January series launching of that one. So that'll be two years. So Jan 20, uh, 24 to, to 2020, end of 2020. Two years of 15% downside? Two protection? years of 100% downside protection. Oh. Yeah. So this is, this is uh, again, this is one where it's get your cash off the sidelines, get back into the market, yeah. try to time it. You have 100% downside protection. Um, you know, the, the, the cap, we don't know what the new cap will be quite yet. But, uh, you know, the, the one on, again in the July series is, you know, it's about 16.6%. So, you know, somewhere in, in that range, um, there are a couple of factors that impact it, but that'll be a really good one to keep an eye on. I think a really important, timely for whatever. And what's, what's the ticker on that one? That one will be AJAN. Okay, the AJAN. Well, you, you just in discovering your company and seeing these, you've just given me a new uh, allocation because I'm moving a whole bunch of managed accounts right now. And- and I, the way I speak to it is, you know, we have growth um, and, and these are growth with catalysts. My company's transformative research. We're looking for inflections of growth that are, you know, S-curve second and all that good stuff. That we have high income with, with some growth. And that's, again, you know, that's like these, you know, LPG tankers. I can show you how to make an LPG tanker ETF that pays serious, serious dividends. And if you could put the buffer on it, wow. So, but, but that adds a whole new 
concept to the building of a part of a balanced portfolio if you have how much money that that you do not want to see go down at all but yet have some upside all right now how about growth my people are very experienced investors they understand nothing goes straight up something goes straight up we sell it we, we've told them you know for years um and then the income sort of stuff because the monthly income etfs now are incredibly uh interesting um, yeah. and uh and now that you're my new best friend uh, i'm going to talk to you about how do we how do we do one of those where we do the monthly income, very high in monthly income, and put a buffer underneath. But but I do that now by buying put options on the yeah. leveraged underlying stocks, right? So I can create my own, you know, down no no downside for 2024 with like Tesla with a 55% annualized uh, dividend, and I'm taking eight uh, percent of that eight uh, percent of that 55% and rolling that into the the uh, the put options on those leveraged 2x things. So that sounds complicated, but not to you. But but giving me another bucket of no risk, managed risk money keeps the texts and the phone calls down to a minimum. Trust me. That's exactly it. And we have um, a couple income strategies now. Uh, ones that we use a lot in our model allocations. They're a little bit different. They do still have the built-in risk management, but they're they're barriers instead of buffers. Which, if you're familiar with what a barrier is, the, the you know we we consider that to be soft protection, whereas the buffer is hard protection. So uh -huh. the buffer you have a 15% buffer, no matter what market goes down 80%, you're always going to have that 15% protection. The barrier is a little different, which is you're, you have 100% protection up until the barrier level. But then once that barrier level is breached, you take on one for one the whole way with the market. So one of the a couple of the strategies that we use uh, heavily are we have a 30% and a 40% barrier on the S&P 500, where uh -huh. you're generating you know, high yield like income, you know, but uh, you have the thir a 30% thir a barrier against losses on the S&P. So hmm. you, you look at that. So an example, like one is the April series, the APRJ, that is 30% barrier against losses, April to April. And then you're getting upside, you're, you're getting no upside exposure, but you're getting a, 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 a income rate of roughly, I think about 7%, 7.3% on that strategy. So as oh. long as the market doesn't go down, 30% or more, you know, you have that, that income. Yeah, I, I, that's interesting. I'm really much more excited about the ones where I'm getting five, 6% monthly. I, I, I was just with a, a, a client yesterday and she said, you know, Toby, I just bought a new house. I'm 74 years old. I sold my house for a jillion dollars and then I gave that to you. And, and now the only problem I have is how do I spend the money? The monthly dividends are choking me. I'm going to be paying taxes at my wazoo. I live in Connecticut. And you know, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Those are right. rich people problems. Rich people there's, problems, absolutely. There's, yeah, well, there's 100 million people out here in America who would love to have that problem. Yeah, no doubt about that. Well, I know that the audience can go to Innovator ETFs for all of these, uh, for all of your sensational products. This is great stuff. So, um, and we'll, we will um, also yeah. uh, have a description um, about it for, for the audience as well. I want to switch topics real quick uh, on the breaking news that came out with the passing of Charlie Munger. He was was the vice chairman for Berkshire Hathaway he passed away this morning peacefully in a California hospital. Uh, Toby, I know you have some thoughts. You have a story that you could share with the audience about Mr. Well, Charlie Munger, first off, for some reason, most people think he lives in Omaha with Buffett. That's not the case. He lives in, in Rancho Palos Verdes in L.A. I, 
I was an LA person for 35 years. And um, I was a member of the Jonathan Club, which was a, you know, used to be a men's club. And then, you know, they broke that up. And Charlie was a member there. And, you know, all foot, five foot one of them, or two, maybe if he was stretched that day, would give us talks at, at, on lunches. And he would say things that no one ever said about investing. And one, one idea that I'm doing with the, my income investing, he used the idea of the snowball. And he had said that whatever you your kids have to do, whatever you can do for them, if you you can just get a hundred thousand dollars of money and then we set up reinvestment of dividends that they will be a millionaire if they're starting at 30 they'll be a millionaire at 52.5 and from that talk i can tell you from friends it gives me chills just thinking about it there are thousands of kids of the guys that i knew from that club whose kids are multi-millionaires at this point because of the you know the munger snowball effect and i try to teach as many people that, and the next book I'm doing are going to be doing an homage to Charlie on this I'd love to also work with you on a a snowball effect ETF, where it, it was a, a the reinvest the dividend. You, you, you know, you didn't have to go to a, a registered investment advisor and pay him two percent. He contributed that idea, and that one idea over the last fifty five years has made more people financially successful that didn't know a stock from a bond from a wormhole, um, but their parents learned it and they. Talk, and I, final point was that my, my friend Greg Dollarhide, who manages all his IRAs etc. for his kids, were out there last week at his home and. Uh, Three of the kids are millionaires now. They're they're 38 years, 38, nine years, 38, 39 years old. And that's from starting the snowball when they were 15. Wow. Incredible. Um, Incredible. So, wow. Any thoughts, Tim? No, I think it's you know, it's a the passing of a legend. And uh, you know, it's 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 really cool to, to, to hear everything that he's he's done and, and accomplished. And you know, to your point, Tobin, just the, the simple compounding of uh you know of interest and dividends is is key. And he kept it simple. It was always easy yep. to understand, always easy to hear. And he, and he called it like it was, which I always uh, appreciated. So he'll definitely be missed. Yeah, you got that right. Yeah, that time value of money definitely is uh, exceptionally valuable for any Compounded time value of money. That's yeah, compounded. <laughs> There you go. There you go. Well, we're going to leave it there, guys. So uh, on behalf of Tim Urbanowitz, you can go to InnovatorETFs.com for all of Tim's uh, the commentary as well as I'll take a look at the products that they're offering at Innovative. You definitely will be uh, well. It will be well-deserved for your portfolio to take a look at. That's for sure. So, uh, but with Tim, we want to thank you for joining us today on Buy, Hold, Sell. We'd love to have you back, especially when those new products come out next year. Great, great to be with you. Love to do it. Absolutely. All right. So on behalf of Tim Urbanowitz and Tobin Smith, I am Todd Schoenberger. Thank you once again for joining us on Buy, Hold, Sell. We'll catch you next time. Take care. Buy, Hold, Sell, brought to you by Crosscheck Management. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.